welcome everybody. Welcome to everybody who's tuning in online or by way of the archives. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. So it's not just about mothers, you know. If it weren't for the men, there wouldn't be mothers. And if it weren't for the men, there wouldn't be children. So the children make mothers. And let's not forget, God is the mother, father, God, you know. That whole concept of being a mother came from God. That's pretty awesome. So I, I could never come up with that. So let's just give glory to God for that. Thank you, God, you know, this morning for Mother's Day. We ask you to bless all the mothers today within earshot of us or watching us online. We just ask that you bless the mothers. Lord, bless this service today, that people would just be changed by that, that their position is shifted ever so slightly, but that they accept that and change and move and grow in you this morning. We just ask that blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so today is, uh, we're going to continue our lessons. Uh, this is level three, so I don't know if you all have been paying attention to the lessons, but they're getting harder. They're difficult. So, you know, I started preparing on le level one, and it was really easy. And these, these actually take some work to prepare. So Don Crow, uh, he's, he's, he's very cerebral, heady. He uses a lot of scripture, so it's very scripture intensive. So if you're, if you're using a paper Bible, which we've kind of shifted towards, it, it makes things very, very difficult, and everything slows down accordingly. So this is actually Lesson 12. It's called The Fruit of Salvation. So this is, this is an interesting one. Now, I read this several times. I'm no dummy, but I had to read this multiple times to even understand what he was talking about. So I'll try to uh, explain certain things that I got out of it, and, and we'll try to make good sense of it. So he starts off by saying, can a one-time act of faith save if it does not continue? So think about that. Can a, can a one-time act of faith save you or get you saved if it does not continue? So formulate your answer. It's going to be a simple yes or no. Are you saved if you don't continue to be saved or not? Okay. Can it cease and still receive the promise, that is, the promise of salvation. Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him as righteousness. If Abraham's faith had ceased or stopped, would imputed, imputed righteousness also cease? It brings up a really decent philosophical question here. From Scripture, we know that faith begins as a complete one-time act. And this is where he gets a little screwy. He calls this the aorist tense a-O-R-I-S-T. Aorist tense? I guess that's how you say it. I have no idea what he's talking about. But, um, but continues in the Christian life as is brought about by the Greek present tense. So he's saying the aorist tense, present tense. From Scripture, we know that faith begins as a complete one-time action, but continues in the Christian life as is brought about by the Greek use of present tense. Tense. You didn't think this was going to be an English lecture, did you? You're probably the only one that even understands what we're talking about. Good. Good. For, I went to school for that. Uh, <laughs> commands that are given in the present tense are expected to have continuous or repeated application. So when using the present tense, if we would apply or supply the following words or phrases to the reader we would significantly enhance their understanding of Bible passages. So he gives you some examples. The words that we would supply to the reader to enhance their understanding are repeatedly, that is, over and over again, constantly, continuously, as a habit or a lifestyle, or uninterruptedly. 
and this will kind of gel for you when I continue here. So consider the following passages and how the Greek present tense affects them. J.D., if you would start with John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth, present tense, believes and continues to believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. So he's taking that word believe and he's applying this present tense concept to continue to believe. Believes and continues to believe. If you would skip down, John 3, 9, 1 John 3, 9. So whosoever is born of God, or no one who is born of God practices sin. So he says, the present tense, he does not continue to sin as his lifestyle, showing an unrepentant heart. So whoever is born of God does not continue to sin as a lifestyle or showing unrepentant heart. For his seed remains, present tense, his seed remains and continues to remain. And he cannot present tense, as his lifestyle or uninterruptedly sin because he is born of God. So really all he's saying is just use this present tense concept for almost every verb that is a command, you know, an instruction, go and do this, don't do that, and add that sort of continuance to it. So if you're not to do something, that means not now, not ever. And if you are to do something, do it now, continue to do it forever, which is really kind of cool because I've never really ever read scripture that way. So if you would, uh, J.D., Mark 1, 15. And I'm reading from, I don't even know what, what uh, version he's using here. And saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye and believe. And he says for the verb repent, that's the present tense, repent and continue to repent as often as a situation or need arises. So this is interesting because just as a little side note, if you read Mark 1.15 and he says, and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye. And the question that came up to me immediately as I'm reading this is, repent, he says, um, what does repent as a command mean? Repent of what? What are we supposed to repent of? And what are we to repent for? And is that like repent when you sin or just repent before you sin? So you you can introduce this concept of continuous repentance. And he sums it up very nicely here. And he says, repent and continue to repent as often as the situation or need arises. I like that. Otherwise, you could read that and say, repent ye, and you say, okay, I repent, and then you wake up tomorrow, and you just continue your crazy old lifestyle the way you always have. So that kind of introduces this, you know, throwing the net really wide. This is from this day forward to the end of time, repent. So it introduces this continuance, which is really kind of a cool concept. So the other thing I noticed when doing this lesson is when you switch from digital to paper, man, there's just all kinds of paper flipping going on at home. I had to stop and recount my page numbers like five times. Okay, uh, J.D., if you would, John chapter 5, verse 24. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, he that hears my words and believes on him that sent me, and there's that present tense with the word believe, 
you believe and you continue to believe. So you see how this gets back to the original question was, can a one-time act of faith save if it does not continue? I'm sure you're gathering the answer rather quickly here. Believe and continue to believe on him that sent me. You will have everlasting life. So let's take that back to the singular. Okay, so you're living some crazy lifestyle in your youth. You get to a point where someone witnesses to you and they ask you, have you accepted Christ? And you believe. And you say, yes, Jesus, come into my heart. I believe you are my Savior. And then you get up tomorrow and you just totally forget that and keep on doing what you were doing before. That's a one-time act of faith. Are you really saved? If there's no change. If you don't continue to believe. The implication here is obviously not. I don't think so. So we'll get to some other things here shortly. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 47. Thank you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life, again with belief, believes and continues to believe. So as we approach our conclusion, the present tense is used hundreds of times in Scripture. It is not the author's intent to show all the scriptures, although it certainly felt like that as I was putting this lesson together. It's just one. I skipped half of them at least. Um, uh, the truth about saving faith is that it is continuous. It is continuous. It has to be something that continues. And this is taught by, and he throws a couple of real big words in here, and I know I'm going to screw this up, Arminianism. It is taught by both Arminianism and Calvinism. I'm sorry, but in my secluded little world, I have no. I thought he was talking about Armenians. I'm like, I, they must have misspelled this. I don't know what he's talking about here. There's two schools of thought. Arminianism is one. It's from a Dutch uh, reformist named Ar Arminian. What is it? Yeah. Okay. You guys all know this. How did you do that? I had no idea. Uh, let's see here. Calvinism professes eternal security and teaches that genuine believers may stumble or fall. And this is true. We've all seen this. I'm sure we've all been through that. You know, if you struggle with something that's uh, addictive in nature, and that can be sex or alcohol or any, anything that's addictive, you may stumble repeatedly. You may stumble and fall for lengths of time, but if you persist, you know, you, they used to say this in, in a church years ago we had attended, um, you only have to get up one more time than you're knocked down to be victorious. And so this is kind of plays into this concept that, yes, you probably will stumble. That's guaranteed. You're human. You'll stumble and you'll fall. And you may fall for extended periods of time, but it's what's in your heart as you persist. Are you getting back up? Are you struggling to maintain? Are you keeping your faith? Are you professing your faith? Are you attending services? Are you sitting under the word? There has to be some outward sign that you're struggling to, to maintain that Christian lifestyle. Again, this goes back to something Pastor Brian has taught several times. It's not necessarily the position you're at. You may fall down right out of the gate and be on the ground struggling, but are, are you aligned? Are you on that heading towards Jesus? You know, so it doesn't matter if you fall and stay there the rest of your life. If you're continually standing up and falling down and standing up and falling down, as long as you're headed towards Jesus and you're doing something to get there, that's important, more important, you know, than just, yes, I believe in Jesus and I'm on this heading over here and Jesus is over there. That's, that's on repentance right there. If we're repentant and we maintain that direction towards Jesus, that's what he's talking about. That's what he's getting at. So Calvinism 
teaches that genuine believers may stumble or fall, but they will nevertheless persevere in the Christian faith. Those who believe in eternal security believe also that true Christians have experienced a death to sin. And that's something that's also very important. You, you have, uh, as they say, in the Holy Spirit quickens your spiritual and your mortal body, quickens you. The things that you do, used to do, you now have a distaste for. I've heard of people, when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they gave up a crack cocaine addiction, just like that. Just walked away because it was a distaste to them. Spiritually, couldn't stand it anymore. That's a death to sin. They will not continue in it. Those who would later turn completely away from Christ show that they were never truly born again. So if you've seen people in the church, they come to church. People come to church or to Christ for all kinds of reasons. And if they get to a point where, you know, they're no longer on that heading towards Jesus and they just turn their compass over here and they're walking in a totally different direction, were you really ever saved? I, I remember reading this because this question came up in my life is, am I really saved? And I did a lot of reading on this and there was a really interesting um, I forget what it was, a blog or something of that nature, but they said, you know, that this question came up in the church quite often. People would come very troubled. I don't know if I'm truly saved. And the answer the guy had was this. He said, if you're asking that question, you're probably saved. Otherwise, you wouldn't care. You're in this direction. You're going this direction. You don't care. It's when you're here and you realize you've fallen so short of the goal that you're concerned about your faith. Am I really saved? So there's something to be said for that. You're in the right direction. You may have just fallen out of the gate. So if you have to ask that question, if you're truly saved, you're concerned about your faith. You've got a good start. Uh, if you would, J.D., put up 1 John 2, 19. Yeah, so this, I went to read, the, this was at the tail end of this paragraph, talking about Calvinism and this whole idea. It says, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out, so that it would be shown that they are not of us. He's talking about apostate. He's talking about people that leave the faith. And so, uh, there were some footnotes in my Bible. And it says, these are the antichrists. Paul was talking about, let's see if I have that scripture here. This is uh, 1 John 2. I don't know if I have it. Yeah, I don't have the whole scripture, but he, he was talking about being close to the hour, the final hour, the end days, and that the spirit of antichrist was already amongst them. And, and that's what he's referring to. He's referring to the Antichrist. Remember, uh, if you're all here for uh, Dwayne Byerly talked about that. It's not a person, it's a spirit. Spirit of Antichrist. It is what it says, Antichrist. So people that have turned and gone in that direction, on that heading, that's the opposite of Christ. That's Antichrist. So you're not truly saved again. If you're walking that way, you're not truly saved Arminian theology teaches that genuine believers can fall away from the Christian faith, period. They generally believe and teach that those who, who do fall away lose or forfeit their salvation. So if you're struggling with alcohol and you say, yes, Lord, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, and you go out and drink the next day because it's an addiction that still has a deep root in you and a hold on you, it could be a spiritual thing, I mean, a, a demonic thing, um, and you fall because of that, 
Calvinism teaches you don't lose your, your salvation because of that. But the Arminianism is saying that that can be a forfeit of your salvation. At least that's the way I understand this reading. It took me a while to understand this. So They generally believe and teach that those who do fall away, there's a lot of gray areas. there is a lot of gray area <laughs> indeed. Yeah, it's a philosophical question. There's a philosophical thing there, so there's a lot of discussion and things that can go on, special cases and whatnot. Uh, they forfeit their salvation. Their system makes no room for so-called Christians, those by name only, to live in continuous rebellion or deliberate sin with no fruit that proves their repentance. And there's the key part of it right there we talked about. If you're walking over here, that's unrepentant heart. If you're here and you fall, but you're still looking there saying, geez, I fell and that really, that sucks, but I need to get up and continue, that's, you're, you're repentant. You're trying. You're doing something. There's some fruit to prove that you're repentant and that you're struggling to maintain your faith. Okay, so we are. <laughs> these are a lot of philosophical lines that are in the word that scholars debate. And all I, one of the things that I want to just show is that what we're truly talking about is, is Jesus Lord? And the fruit of salvation is going to be showing the fruit is Jesus is Lord of my life. Mm -hmm. In other words, he's making the decisions. So if you're going out and you're constantly making decisions, that's not fruit of salvation. Fruit of salvation is that Jesus is making the decisions. And this is very good for us to check because it says work out your salvation with fear and trembling mm -hmm. or with great, great reverence and don't play around with it. You need, to, you need to examine yourself. And what you're saying is great because who in, who in here has never fallen? Right, exactly. No hands went up. That was amazing. I, I, wow. And I'm, I'm does, holding mine yeah. down. <laughs> does, that, does that mean that we're just horrible people? Oh, my gosh, we've all fallen. No. That's kind of what Paul talked about a lot was saying that grace is stronger. The question is, it's not whether or not you fail. The question is whether or not you did get back up one more time. Mm -hmm. Did And when you get up, where are you facing? Am I facing back towards the world and its ways, or am I facing towards Christ and, it, and his ways? Mm -hmm. Is he Lord? That's a big question. Is he Lord? Is he ruling your decisions? Is he ruling, or are you ruling? That's the question. And if you've been ruling, I mean, I have decisions this week where I didn't, I didn't let Jesus rule. Now, does that mean that I'm not born again? No, it just means that I'm still falling like you are. I still have areas where I need to get better. I need to repent in Acts 3.19 so that times of refreshing may come. But if you're constantly seeing that I'm ruling and Jesus is not, and I'm not moving towards Christ, then that's an issue. And that's what you need to see. Am I growing to the fullness of the stature of Christ, or am I stagnant and really following my ways or the world's ways? Those are and and look, I have been born again, and I've been going kind of both directions at different times. 
Okay, I've been going towards him strongly. I've had times where I was not going towards him strongly. The question is, do I recognize that and do I make the turn? Do I repent? Do I turn and change direction? And what I've found is that as long as people are continuously growing in Christ and moving towards him, then that is a fruit of their salvation. But the moment where they start going, no, I just don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. That's not a good position. It, that's a horrible position, actually, because uh, you really have one foot in both. That's the lukewarm position. That's not where you want to be. Amen? Mm. He goes on to talk about it. Apostle John, he says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So there's, I'm sure there's misconception out in the world that once you get to be a Christian, you're just squeaky white clean and that you don't ever sin. And I think people take offense to that, that, you know, they take offense to Christians, that you think you're holier than thou. That's not the case. It says, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. Here we have a paradox, but not an inconsistency of Scripture. All Christians sin. That's, that's the fallen world. We're, we're in it. We sin. We're human. But all Christians obey 1 John 23, which says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Sin and carnality are still present with Christians, but sin cannot be their master. I like the way he says this too. It cannot be their distinguishing trait. And so I remember a preacher telling me one time about, be careful what you do, because when you sin, you become known for that. You know, and we all know somebody from high school, there's that one girl that, you know, oh, she's, you know, you become what your sin is. You become what you're sin is. You swear a lot. Oh, that's that dude. He curses like a sailor. That's your, your defining trait. Becomes your trait. So sin becomes your master. Okay. So here's a good, because this is almost an interactive lesson, and you're right, it is a good <laughs> I heard you at the beginning. It's a, so here's a good question. When people look at me, would they say that I remind them of Jesus, yeah. that I look like Jesus? If they're not saying that, then is he truly your Lord? Right. Now, that, that puts some pressure to the flesh, sure that does. question. It sure does. But if they're not saying, hey, you remind me of Jesus, and I'm not talking about you know, just the uh, people that are doing horrible because... Your life, as long as you're not doing horrible, may look good to them. I'm, I'm talking about people that know. Right. Do they look like Jesus? Right. Or do they remind you? Do you have the testimony of Christ? It's a good distinguishing factor. Now, the truth is none of us fully look like him, but are we moving towards him? Are we continuing to move towards Are we encouraging people? Are we bringing the power of God? Are we growing in that? Right. And I think what that question reveals is that we all have room to grow. Every one of us. Mm -hmm. All of us. I know right now the Holy Spirit is really, really pointing towards me to grow to some new levels. Yeah. And so all of us have room to grow. But do we look like Christ to people that know the difference? That kind of question, because now we're not talking about the intent. We're not talking about good intentions. We're talking about what is the fruit. Fruit, absolutely. Amen. 
he says true repentance and faith requires a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of direction. Even though it is not perfection. And I think that's important. Yeah, because I, th I think we tend to be our own worst judge. We tend to beat ourselves up when we fail. So it's not perfection, it's direction. Fruit is still a test of faith's reality and genuineness. Faith is a firm, supernatural conviction that governs a true believer's behavior and results in accompanying actions. Faith without works is dead. You may have all that faith, but if it doesn't, have, if it doesn't prove out in any type of action, you're wasting your time. This is shown from the examples of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 that results in corresponding actions. They were men of great men and women of great faith, but their actions played out in everything that they did in, in, a, in a supernatural way. In other words, what we do is the outcome of what we believe. So that, that kind of separates the men from the boys. You know, well, I go to church every Sunday. There, there was a great movie we watched at home called The Encounter. And uh, it was about Jesus. And he has these people come into his restaurant. And he's, you know, ministering to them. And, and he's telling them that he's Jesus. But the, the one lady, is, it was really kind of cool. She said, I am a Sunday school teacher. You know, like I'm at church every Sunday. And I'm, I'm a Sunday school teacher. Surely that counts for something, right? And, and he was like, no, sorry. So the, uh, what we do is the outcome of what we believe. We need to act according to what our faith is. And we become more like Christ. The book, the book of James says, Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Yeah, that's pretty cool. There's a lot there. Yeah, read, not, read on that one. That's really good. When the apostles speak in a negative way about works, they're referring to the works of the law. That is anyone, or I'm sorry, that is anything one is doing to earn or work for their, their salvation. That goes back to the whole payment system we've been talking about on Sundays. If you're just out there doing good things because you think that's going to count towards your salvation, you're deceived. That's the, that's the Sunday school teacher thing. You know, I'm doing good stuff. That has to count. Yes, but where's your faith? And that was what he was pointing out to her in the movie. You, you didn't have any faith. You weren't acting on that. The scriptures also speak of the fruit of salvation, which is good works or works of faith. Good works. The fruit of salvation, which is good works or works of faith. Those are the works or actions that proceed from repentance and faith. They show the evidence of your salvation. The unity that is expressed between both repentance and and faith is that they both have the same fruit or evidence. I'll repeat that. The unity that is expressed between both repentance and faith is that they both have the same fruit. Repentance and faith both have the same fruit. So I said I have to read this several times before the understanding finally hits, right? We are not saved by good works, but we are saved unto good works. That means you do good works because you're saved. It's, it's faith put into action. Works are a test of faith's reality, and grace does not, 
Works are a test of faith's reality and grace that does not eventually affect one's life and actions cannot be considered to be the true grace of God. In other words, if you sit here every Sunday and we talk about this and you learn and you're, having, you're sitting under the word and nothing changes, you're not receiving the true grace of God. That's hard to do in this church, I gotta say. That's very, very tough to do in this church. <laughs> Jesus teaches that by fruit, true believers will be known. So, you know, I've been transplanting some fruit trees this spring, plum trees, trying to get, get them to grow from the wild to more of a domesticated nature. I planted one that I, sw I swear it was a pear tree. I'd swear it was. <laughs> Apparently it's not. Um, so, you know, if you don't know what kind of a tree it is, if it produces one pear, I don't care, maybe it will. I'm going to speak faith over that tree. If that thing gives me a pear, then it's a pear tree. All I need is one pear to prove it, right? And the same is true with us, you know. You can be whatever you want. You call yourself whatever you want. It's when you do those acts of faith. When you produce the fruit, that's what you'll be known as. That is good. Glad I came up with that. Um, <laughs> So he's got some questions here. Lots of questions, lots of scriptures. Uh, you want to hold off on those? Yes. Okay, yes. good. Let's actually take some more time on this. And okay. Okay. Because we're running short. Okay, excellent, good. Well, we'll close in prayer, and then we can go off and do our things and get ready for our Sunday service. Lord, we just thank you for the word that's encased in this lesson. We just ask that your Holy Spirit quicken us, that we are affected by the words and by the Spirit that is here in this church, and that our lives are changed, that if we're not in the right direction, our direction is changed ever so slightly towards you, Christ. We just pray that if anybody here has fallen, that they'll get back up again. We just ask for your grace, Lord, right now to work in our lives and improve us, mold us into what you want us to be. And we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you for today, for all the mothers today. We thank you for this Sunday. We thank you for this church and the word that's preached here. And we just give you thanks with a humble heart. In Jesus' name, amen.